Episode 52 of the podcast is here. My name's Trent, and I'm joined by Jason. What's going on? Hey, just ready to do another one of these things. That's right. Episode 52, we're getting old. Yeah. <laughs> getting up there in age. <clears throat> in podcast age. That's right, in podcast age. I don't know. Actually, I think we're still young in podcast age, but... Probably. Once you cross the Compared to, like, the Nerdist or something, who's, yeah. like, 760. Right. You know? Is that really what they're at? Yes, actually, it is. Wow. They do them every day, though, probably, right? They do, like, three a week. Okay. I just heard one with Sally Field, and it was amazing. But anyways, wow. Was that's it a recent one with Sally Field? Yes, or they just because she's it? got that new movie coming out. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, she was hot in Smoking the Bandit, so she's forever hot. That's just how it is now. Yeah. That's a fact. <clears throat> anyways, that got weird real quick. What are we here for, Trent? <laughs> we have Jamie Kaczynski on our show this week. Yes. It's very cool. Great guy, very knowledgeable in what he's doing, has a lot of stuff going on, and we get to talk to him about all of it. Yes, definitely. The main thing being, the theme of most of this is the Serpent Stomp Festival, which is coming in just a little over three weeks here in Tulsa, April 23rd. If you're anywhere within the area, come see this thing. It's only 15 bucks for like, I think it's six or seven bands, and then like five or six speakers as well. So it's like a full day worth of stuff. And he gets into a little bit of... You know, a lot of the artists talk about all that stuff. And it's at the Route 66 Event Center? Yes. Okay. Down 11th on, what, I think it said between Sheridan and Yale mm -hmm. in Tulsa. So that's definitely something if you're in the area, check out. I think I saw a post from recently where he said they had sold tickets in like 23 states. Wow, that's crazy. And they've sold more tickets out of Tulsa than they have in Tulsa, which is kind of sad for the Tulsa <laughs> music scene but hey people get with it <laughs> before we get into all that we're gonna play some songs for you from a couple of these bands and the first one we're gonna do is the headliner of the event living sacrifice and the song we're gonna play is from their album ghost thief from a couple years ago and this is the title track ghost thief
right, once again, Ghost Thief from Living Sacrifice, the title track off their album of the same name. Well, obviously, that's redundant to say title track of the same name, but you know, it's okay. You get, you get the point. No one's grading you, Trent. Good deal. You're doing great. All right. That also features T.D. Benton from White Collar Sideshow, who is another one of the acts on the bill. So you got a little twofer there. Man, this is just a great, great band. I know they've they've always had a following in the kind of underground metal scene and, of course, the Christian metal scene. And I just kind of, you know, the more I hear them, the more I feel kind of dumb for kind of having missed the boat. Yeah. For a good, These guys have been around for like 20 years, I think. Oh, yeah, I've heard the name forever. Yeah. And this is this is a killer tune. Uh, I love the vocals. Kind of kind of reminds me of a, a Dez from Devil Driver and Cold Chamber kind of thing. And yeah. it's got a killer breakdown. I mean, this is this song is as metal as metal gets. So uh, you, you can't go wrong. Yeah, and that riff that just runs throughout, just yeah. catchy as hell, and yeah, just it, cools. It, yeah, it's got the little Zach Wild pings in there too, yeah. which I love. I love when any time when any band does that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, really knowing that they're headlining this thing, I kind of looked into them in the past week and listened a lot more, and this whole album's great, and yeah. a lot of their stuff's great, and I, I think I mentioned this to you, I'd actually listened to them like 10 or 12 years ago when I was going to a gym, and it was a small gym where they had, you know, people just left CDs, and someone oh, had a Living right, Sacrifice yeah. CD, and I threw it in and played it while I was working out, and loved it, and did it a few more times when I was when I came back, but... You know, I kind of lost touch since then. Yeah. So. Well, this is great stuff. Yeah, really looking forward to to seeing them at the festival. Mm -hmm. And, of course, all these other bands, which one of them being is Grave Robber. Of course. And Grave Robber band out of... Fort Wayne, Indiana. Indiana. Okay. I almost said Iowa. That's why I stopped. (laughs) (laughs) All right, before we talk about that, let's just go ahead and play this. The name of the song is Fill This Place With Blood from their album, You're All Gonna Die. Place with blood 
Fill This Place With Blood. Once again, that was Grave Robber. That's from their album, You're All Gonna Die. It came out a few years ago. First off, this is right up your alley, I know. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it, and you, what's what's cool is you look at their uh, their in, influences on their Facebook page. It's like Misfits, type of negative. Like right there, I'm sold. I'm like, okay, I'm going to love this band. Yeah. Uh, Black Sabbath, Alice Cooper. Uh, I mean, it's at <clears throat> just the heavy horror punk with the catchy vocals and like the kind of gang type kind of vocals. Yeah. Which is just, I mean, I love it. I, I can't get enough of that stuff. And then it has this crazy, uh, just shredding solo. I mean, uh, you just, this is a band just like cut out for me. I mean, I love it. Yeah. That mif- Misfits influence reigns strong yes. through these guys, but, but at it's the same not time, blatant, yeah. Know? It's not, it's not a direct copy or nothing, which is great. You know? Yeah. They definitely go off on their own path. So uh, they're doing it right. Yeah. Kind of somewhere between <clears throat> punk and metal, which that's kind of what horror punk is anyway. Yes. But, you know, and if there's vibes of Mike Ness throughout this guy's voice, I think, at times, yeah. too. And even, you know, Mike from uh, from Volbeat yeah, at times, definitely, too. Definitely. You know, it's just kind of got that whole feel just somewhere between all that. And it's just it's really cool. And it's real catchy guitar riff. And like you said, catchy vocals and uh, choruses and stuff. Yeah, I'm going to love seeing these guys. Yeah. And we talk a little bit about that here in just a minute. So hopefully, like you said, maybe they'll put up some some plastic on the walls so they can put on our full show. Right? Yeah, the full, yeah. I mean, you need the, the whole thing. Let's get all the blood in there. Yeah. And let's fill this place with blood. There you go. Do you like that tie-in? That is. That's a great <laughs> one. <laughs> well, um, like you said, we recently sat down with Jamie, talked uh, quite a bit about Serpent Stomp and about the Not-So-Silent Night event that he also does in December. He's done several of those course as soon as serpent stomp ends he's gonna jump into working on that he's got a new band called Aselment. he used to be in far from sanity and this Aselment features three of the members from that band um it's kind of cool talking to him because you know we could kind of kind of get the vibe that we have a lot of the same interest music wise oh hands and, down yeah for sure and i know when you ask him kind of what his influences <clears throat> were he we talked about kiss like a lot of us like when we we're younger yeah. And then before you move into other stuff. And the first two drummers he mentioned are like my two favorite drummers. <laughs> and we kind of started talking about something else. I didn't really get a chance to tell him that. But so kind of thought that was cool. And then we talked about other stuff in Tulsa that we'd, you know, all been a part of, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, I'm pretty sure he was in, he was playing around in bands the same time I was because we, he mentioned some stuff going on back in that time and I knew exactly what he was talking about uh, we you know, it's funny because we talked about in the last episode he mentioned the Anthrax and Fight show yeah and we were at that yeah. I mean the, that was just a legendary show everyone knows about it right you yeah. know uh, and uh, you know and that's the cool thing is you know we're here to talk about what these guys all have going on but then it's cool to like just kind of stop and hang and talk about just music and what everybody likes and you know, what, what everyone's listening to. And that's, that's the stuff I really enjoy. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> Jamie was a, a great guy, great interview. Uh, he, w- one thing I really took from it is, you know, he's just got vision for days. He's got a goal and a mission and there's, and he's going to fulfill it. And that's pretty inspiring. Uh, I think I was telling you on the way home from that, it's like, 
you know, I can't, I can't decide, you know, what I'm going to have for lunch that day. <laughs> and, you know, and, and people like Jamie have just, just vision and drive and they know how it all, they all want it to go. And he's just doing great things. And, you know, it doesn't matter what, what you believe, you know, at the end of the day, the, the end result is helping people and, uh, some pretty loud and, uh, you know, rude sounding music. So and I think that's something we can all get behind. Definitely. And if this is your first time listening to us because you're a friend or a fan of Jamie's, check us out online at thethunderunderground.com. All our social media links are on there and all our previous podcasts are on there and on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. We've got all kinds of uh, interviews we've done with guys from heavy bands like Battlecross and Crowbar or Insight, Overkill. And then just we get into hard rock like Warrant and Sons of Texas and Miss May I and Europe, everything. Just all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So check all that out. But in the meantime, check this interview out. awesome have you gotten a visual on them yet mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the the video i saw was kind of old but i mean still you know uh, you know it, it made a statement it was all one thing that was pretty cool yeah yeah they got they definitely got a unique stick about them i uh, met grave robber it's been about um i met him about oh gosh it's been about two and a half years now yeah and uh i booked him you know, just kind of, they were on a small tour heading down to a festival down in uh, Texas. And so they did a stop here, and that's from when I got to know them a little bit more. And then they came and played my Not So Silent Night later that year, and mm-hmm. just been friends since with them. So cool. when it came time for this, they're like, yeah, no, man, we're coming on down. So uh, they're coming on down from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Well, that's a good segue into the fact that this lineup is real diverse as far as every single band has a different sound, which I thought was really cool. They do, um, you know, the, the one thing that you'll find out about every band on the bill is this, that they're creative. Um, that was one of the things that I really wanted. Well, number one, I got a relationship with all of them, you know, so everybody that's on the band, you know, have some kind of affiliation over the, uh, um, over the, or on the, on the bill, I have some kind of affiliation with over the years. Uh, and so that was important to me since this is kind of the first time I've done this particular event. Um, I wanted, you know, to make it as easy as I can. And when you know the people you're working with, that makes it a lot easier if, as opposed to strangers coming in trying to figure you out. And so, um, yeah, every every artist on this um, bill, I've either had a friendship with in the past or I've worked with in the past. So um, putting them together was almost a no-brainer. And they're all professionals. I mean, uh, if you look at the roster, I mean, we got, although they haven't made their announcement yet, they will the only ones not on a label is Death Therapy. Um, and the thing about Death Therapy is they've been on a label um, just under a different moniker. There's a, a band called Becoming the Archetype. 
Oh, now, right. becoming the archetype and um, formed in the early 2000s and were on Solid State Records and you know with that group of bands. Um, a few other bands on Solid State would be like uh, August Burns Red and, and, yeah. and people like that. So Living Sacrifice is also on, on Solid State. Uh, Every Knee Shall Bow is on Rottweiler Records. Grave Lover is Rottweiler Records. Um, White Collar is independent, but you really wouldn't know. In fact, they're in Brazil right now on tour. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, they're... they're uh, uh, Grave Robber actually just finished playing down at Exoto Fest in Mexico, and what it is is annual festival that they do on a volcano. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty crazy. So yeah, they uh, they they've uh, they do this almost yearly. In fact, Broken Flesh played last year with Grave Robber. I think War of Ages was down there as well. So some some really just like I said, professional um, guys coming in and, and playing this event. So what is the where did the idea come from, or is this just something you wanted to put, just an event that stood, you know, separate from, like, Not So Silent Night, where it just stood as its own Yeah, I wanted a charity type event, you know? Yeah, I definitely wanted a differentiation. Um, not So Silent Night, we've been, we're going into year six with it, and it's kind of got its own personality. I mean, it is a unique event, and I didn't want to copy it. Um, this event actually had as an ideal, even before Not So Silent Night, it was really just a matter of... Uh, getting the right artists and, and putting it together. Um, it's it's complete underground. This is stuff that, you know, you're not going to hear on the radio, um, you know, which is the case with most metal. So that's not a new a new endeavor. But, for instance, White Collar Sideshow um, takes the mask approach as well. Um, and what they do is each, each uh, um, member is a character in a play. And they have this play that runs behind um, them in a movie form, that they uh, directed themselves and, and uh, basically shows different different scenes and different addictions and things like that. Um, and uh, Phil, the one of the drummers, um, has a, he's a pig is his character, and basically the pig is kind of like the devil character, and he's encouraging all these different addictions and stuff like that throughout this movie. And all the while, he's getting ready to kill the different uh, people participating. So. <laughs> It's definitely not your, your your typical Sunday morning fair, so uh, you know. But it's great stuff. I mean, I you can't see it on YouTube and witness uh, and witness the true effect of everything. You got to see it live. Um, they're just that good. Um, Grave robber. The only uh, regret I'm going to have about Grave Robber is we can't bring the blood cannons to this venue. You know, <laughs> so they have this thing where the, you know they it's a lot like very gorish. Um, you know, where they uh, they douse the audience in, in blood. <laughs> so well, Hey, you know, just tell them to put some plastic up on the I know, that would be board. great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Still a thought, if I can make it happen, I think that'd be awesome. Cause, uh, you might have a big cleaning bill after that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we got, a, we got a lot of uniqueness with this lineup. Um, Broken Flesh um, is grindcore. I mean, it's, it's 300 beats per minute of pure aggression. I'm a bit scared of what the mosh pit's going to look like on this one. So, but I've had a lot of people ask for broken flesh up here and, uh, you know, we were finally able to do it and, you know, their schedule worked, our schedule worked. And I've played with those guys down in Oklahoma city and they're just, they're top notch dudes. They really are. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely underground. Um, you know, with the Not So Silent Night, I try to keep more of a, a, med- a good median vibe. Um, I try to take in bands that might be a little bit more commercially appealing to m- more ears. Um, grindcore is not exactly commercial, you know. Um, 
So it was my opportunity to take some of these heavier acts and intersperse them with um, some of the things I'm already doing. And this was the right format for it. And this is at Route 66 Event Center. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen that name a bunch of times, but is that the old Rose Bowl? No, you know, I get asked that question a lot. Um, it's right down the road from the Rose Bowl. It's, um, you got the quick trip at Sheridan, and then you go down. And it's kind of like a dead zone almost. Um, you have like an old abandoned uh, gas station and car lots, and it's kind of tucked in behind this car lot. Um, I went and toured it because I wasn't sure about it, but I'm like, man, this is... This is going to be really cool. Um, it's 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 got a cool vibe. I mean, it's a multi-purpose facility. Um, it's not huge. You know, we're going to hold about three to three hundred fifty people. So, by no means is it going to be just a, a massive show. But you know, I, I did some polling, and I'm like, you know, would you rather have a huge facility and it half full, or a small facility and packed? Yeah. You know, what's what's going to be more exciting? And so I figure if we can put 350 people in there and everybody's just kind of crammed together and enjoying the music with one another, it's going to be awesome. So it's just straight down 11th Street and uh, right before you, it's between Sheridan and Yale. Okay. So I'm going to go down and catch a show this uh, coming Thursday, actually. Um, There's a metal show happening down there and give me a good opportunity because I'm using their house sound for my show. So I get to go work out some gremlins if I have to. Yeah. See what it's like. Mm Mm-hmm. So, as a spectator, not just as somebody that's kind of coordinating everything, I just want to sit and listen. Yeah. Well, if you, uh, I assume it would depend off the success on this one, but are you looking forward to next year? Like, is this going to be an annual thing? That is the hope. Um, Ticket sales are going really well. Um, There's a lot of excitement. Some of it has to do with this lineup. It really, I can't speak enough about the lineup, you know, and, and the lineup does a show make you know you can put together 10 so-so bands and you know you're not going to get this you know you put together 10 great bands and you know you got a home run so um a lot of it is contingent on that on the on on who all shows up i think we're going to sell out um after this one when people see it with their own eyes and hear it with their own ears and see what we're doing um i really feel like um, we'll have more sponsors going into the future we didn't have any sponsorship this year and so that's going to allow some of my other ideas to come to life. Um, you know, I like festivals, but I don't really like the enormity of a festival. It's a, you know, if you bring your buds out to a festival and, and you hang out and yeah, that's cool. But, you know, you never really get to hang out with the artists, you know, for the most part. And so one of the things that I always wrestle with is how big is too big, you know. Um, and one of the things I always um, work to do is make sure that the people get to spend time with their favorite artists. Um, keeping it small allows me to do that. Uh, however, I still like the festival vibe. So this area has this big kind of field off in the back, and then we got a whole parking lot that uh, I'm looking at. So thinking about bringing some skateboarders out and building a ramp out there, putting an outdoor stage. Um, maybe next year we'll be able to get more of the local and regional artists involved into the process. and. You know, have them do the outdoor stage and all that stuff is free. Then bring in more nationals and put them on inside for later on in the evening. That's kind of the idea anyway and the hope. Okay. Yeah, I saw you posted that like a week or two ago about the, the skate ramps and stuff. And I was wondering if that was a separate event or if you're looking at... No, nah, man, I like I like skateboarders. I like BMXers. I always have. I've been <laughs> yeah. sucked at it. But, you know, I like watching it. Yeah. And, you know, we have, we have some skateboarding teams here in Oklahoma City that... Uh, 
you know, I know some of the guys that work in these things. And so really it's just a matter of sitting down with all these people after this one and saying, hey, what can we do to collaborate and make this thing even more? So I like to give people an experience. I, we get enough shows, man. Yeah. We can get a show on the corner of every place in downtown these days. And so for me, I'm always looking at something that gives people an experience. Um, we, you know, and nothing wrong with shows. I mean, you know, I like to go out and catch a show, but you know, I like more of the things I remember 10, 15 years down the road. Yeah. That's another reason why I want people to be able to hang out with their favorite artists, you know, because I come from a time where, you know, you looked on the stage and those artists were godlike, you know, and you only hoped you could touch them, you know, kind of deal. <laughs> and so, uh, and that was cool, but I was wondering what it would have been like, you know, if I could have talked to them. If I could have shook their hand or, you know, just something, but, you know, eventually it moved to where you saw more of the artists hanging out at the merch tables and things like that. But even still, it's like, hey, th you didn't want to act like a, a, a creeper or anything. And I'm like, <laughs> I love you so much, man. Um, so you're like, hey, dude, that was a good show. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I always thought about how cool would it be if we could just hang out, you know, and uh, talk to these people like we're talking tonight. You know, and get to know them a little bit more. That's uh, one of the things we do at the Not So Silent Night every year. Is I don't provide a backstage. Um, I don't. I won't. Uh, I treat my artists very well. Make no mistake about it. But I have a, a prerequisite: you don't get a backstage. And I tell, I've told every artist that I've worked with that the people are here for you, and the people put you where you're at. And so you need to come out and hang with the people. And so far, I've been on a really, really good formula. Yeah, yeah that's a great idea. Well, it, it's true, you know. Um, I come from, I, I, you know, I'm a fan first and foremost. I do all this because I've been a fan of music for a long time. Then I became a musician, and so I was on the stage. And now I'm an event coordinator as well, and so I get to see it from all these varied aspects. And as I still always look at things as a fan, and from a fan's perspective, and for the people who come in the door and take their time and their resources and their efforts to invest into the band that's on the stage and to the event that you're putting together. And I want to make it special for the people who come in my doors. And for me as a fan, I always wanted to meet these people. And so it's kind of a natural extension of, of the desire I always had as a fan. And if you go look at my, at my page, you'll see some great pictures of, of just people coming out and the artists and uh, you know, it gives it an opportunity to take home memories. It really does. And I won't back off from that. And there might be some bands that say no because we're like awesome and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, there there's a stage down the road for you right. and it won't be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool, too, especially since they're all ages events. You know, like a 15 year old meeting someone from Living Sacrifice or something is probably going to blow their mind. You know? Exactly. So. I'm old enough. I pulled it back the curtain and I understand that musicians <laughs> are just people, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. But, you know, when I was 15, man, you couldn't have told me that. Yeah. You know, I remember I was 12 years old, and I, I remember I used to ride my bike through this neighborhood I was living in. And I was riding my bike by this house, and this wonderful, loud noise was coming from one of the rooms. And so I decided to sit down and listen to this, and it was a band practicing. And I remember the first time, through 12-year-old eyes, these guys came out of that room, and they looked like rock stars. And to a 12-year-old, I thought... Wow, rock stars in my neighborhood. But I was always too scared to talk to them, you know. And, and later on, I realized they were a local band. But when I was 12, I could have given a crap. Yeah. You know, they were rock stars to me. 
And being on a stage, I realized when it comes to kids, it's a lot the same way still today. I get off the stage and I know who I am. You know, I, I don't consider myself anything special in any regard. You know, I play drums. Whoa. You know, it doesn't make me a great human being. It just makes me a guy that plays drums. I know this, but that kid down there doesn't. You know, and if you can give a kid a drumstick, you know, and talk to him for a minute, um, you know, hear about his life. I mean, you give him gold. And so that's just really the attitude I carry when I'm creating my events is, you know, we have an opportunity, especially with kids, to give them something more than music. And they're going to carry those memories on with them when they're old like me. So, you know, I mean, I could only wish those guys would have saw that 12-year-old guy across the street going, hey, come on over here, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would have blown my mind. You know, and it didn't matter to me that they were local. Yeah. It, it just didn't. For me, they were rock stars. And I wish a lot of these local bands would start to realize that, that, you know, you got a lot of great power when it comes to what you do on that you, that platform, especially with kids. And kids are looking up to you, and they're gonna you know they're gonna hang on your every word, no matter if you're a local band or not, you know. And and so give them a moment, you know, give them a drumstick, give them a guitar pick, give them a poster, you know, talk to them, you know, and, and send them home, and they're gonna remember you twenty years down the road, that guy. Yeah. And so anyway, that's my hope you know, <laughs> when when I'm doing this stuff. Cool. On the Servant Stump, you've got several speakers, comedian and everything. Like, how do you have it set up already? Like, how is it going to go? Is it like, are those dispersed between the bands or? Yeah, you know, um, one of the things that I was admonished when I started doing the development is keep the flow going. Don't don't throttle back at all, um, lest you lose your audience. And so I took heed to that and I started calling some people that I knew that I knew were dynamic speakers, performers. Um, and for us, between setup, they're going to keep the crowd engaged. Okay. So we got slam poetry, which if you've never seen slam poetry, it is quite a unique uh, art form. I, I bore witness to it for the first time back in 2012, and it's intense. Yeah. It's really intense. And, uh, you know, um, Joe Johnson, he, he's got he's going to do our comedy that night. And Joe is a unique guy. He's... He's fairly irreverent uh, on a lot of topics, um, and I like that about him. Um, you know, but he knows where to draw the lines too. So you know, I don't like irreverent for irreverent's sake. There's, a, I like a purpose behind what you're doing, and Joe's going to bring that. And T.D. Benton is um, the the founder of White Collar Sideshow, um, a great speaker. Um, gosh, T.D.'s a great guy. He's just an overall good human being. And I've watched kids just follow him around um, the shows we've had with White Collar in the past and hang on every word the man says. And the beauty of, of TD is that he, he he never makes you feel like you're an inconvenience. You know, he makes, when, you, when you're talking to TD, he makes you feel like you're the only person in the room. You know, so I, I've watched it for several years now and appreciate it very much. And then Sean Browning is going to come speak. And Sean is the... Uh, He's the head dog at Rottweiler Records. And Rottweiler, of course, like I said, home of Every Knee Shall Bow, home of Grave Robber. Um, they're coming on down from again, Indiana. Um, and he's going to he's gonna share some wisdom. Cool. Do you have uh, Not So Silent Night 2016? Are you starting to put that together already? Or are you waiting Always. Until... <laughs> yeah, is that a year-long process, basically? You know, it's funny. Not So Silent Night started out as just kind of an idea and a whim. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about wanting to take our music and make it greater. 
And the one thing that I, I wanted to do is, you know, help our community, you know, and uh, we started off, we thought it was just going to be a one-time deal, you know, we put together this little show, we brought in presents for kids, and I, I had no clue what was coming, I did not foresee us being into year six, and I didn't really even see the, uh, how big it was going to get, I mean, um, Right now, as it stands, yeah, it's almost a year-long thing. I mean, I try to take a, a two or three weeks to let my brain process everything, uh, look at what we did well, look what you know needs a little bit of tweaking, and um, you know see what we got to do the next year to uh, keep it going and uh, give our audience what they've come to expect. So I do. Um, I've got my locals, of course, my guys. They work really, really hard in my band, and I, you know, they work. Harder than just about uh, you know anybody else next to my wife to make this show happen. So they're always going to have a stage, um, you know. Then uh, my friend, you, you guys are familiar, Severmind. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know they have been great supporters, especially Derek. Um, in fact, the Santa Claus that you see is his hand drawn artwork. Okay. And I sat many hours with Derek last year and uh worked out this this thing because before that i was using dreamworks uh north and dreamworks would never uh you know get back with me about copyright and licensing and i'm like man i'm about to start selling merchandise and, and different things like that with you know with this event and i don't want anything coming back on me you know <laughs> that i owe dreamworks money so it was really it, it was a it was a have to we got to, we got to create an original image and so Derek stepped in and, and he made it come to life. He listened to a lot of my, my feedback and, uh, you know, took his talents and brought together this, this uh, mascot of ours. Um, so and I'm highly thankful. And I tell people all the time, you know, not every band is going to make the stage. I mean, I look for a lot of specific things within bands. But you stand a really good chance if you get out and support and you don't have a stage. You know, it's easy for bands to come out and, and to show because they're playing the show. It means so much more, especially with something like the Not So Silent Night, when uh, these various musicians get involved and they don't have anything to really gain by being involved. They're just there because they care. Um, Derek was the epitome of that last year. And, you know, uh, I, I, I like seeing that from, especially from musicians. Because you know, a lot of times we're we're kind of narcissistic in our approach about things, um, so it's good to see musicians get back. It really is. What was the first not so silent night? The first event that you put on, or were you doing this before that? Well, up until that point, I had been a musician. You know, I, I played a lot of shows. Um, how long have you guys been in Tulsa? Whole life. Yeah. Whole life. Do you yeah. remember uh, Underside and oh, yeah. Blue and, and that bunch? Well, I came up in that bunch, and Bad Guys, and uh, wow. we played. I was in a band called Downcast. Oh. And so I actually went was part of the lockdowns and all that <clears throat> stuff that were created. Um, love them or hate them, man. Jinx taught me a lot. <laughs> um, and I took a lot of ideas from what I sat and, and watched Jinx do. Um, so when it was time to start developing things, I kind of reached back into history and, and, and pulled what I liked and, you know, what I saw that inspired me. Uh, so I hadn't done any kind of event coordination, but I'd been part of a, a, a lot of it. And so when I got to it, it was really kind of, uh, you know, remembering what worked 
Um, I still believe in an old school approach. Um, I think we rely so much on social media today that it almost takes away the, uh, what makes music really special. So I take that old school approach and I'm out with flyers and, and, and handouts and posters and uh, and that's the way we used to do it and it still works today. Yeah. And so for me, it was a no brainer when I started doing this, we're going to take an old school approach and we're going to shake hands and we're going to say hello to people and we're going to personally invite them out. Uh, from that, I just, as a musician, I, I tried to do, I try to treat musicians that come in, um, how I'd want to be treated. Um, I've been on the, on the receiving end of some pretty bad treatment from event coordinators and promoters. And so I wasn't going to do that. Um, so from a musician's, um, perspective, I wanted to, I wanted my musicians to come in and feel like they were welcome and part of the event as well. So really I took all these experiences, um, to create the Nazi Silent Night. And that was my first official creation. So since then, you, I know you mentioned earlier, you put on other shows. Mm -hmm. Have you, I mean, is that just when it strikes you or is that a constant thing you're doing? Well, I've done a couple different things. Um, I like pairings. I like musical pairings. And so if I feel like some bands are going to flow well together, you know, I'll call up a few people and I'll, I'll put together a show. You know, if, if I feel like it's going to be a good experience for all the parties involved. Um, so sometimes it's just when I feel like it. Uh, you know, then I tried the tours. Um, I didn't like tours too much. Uh, you guys can see every time you pop open social media that I, I promote and promote and promote and promote. Um, when it comes to a tour, you don't really get to do that. No worries. You're right. <laughs> um, you have a very short window of promotional time. And for me, that kind of took the joy away from, uh, what I do. Uh, you know, I like people to hear and explore new music. And a lot of these tours that came through, they were relatively unknown bands. You may be touring the country, but that doesn't mean they know you in Oklahoma. And so I don't have a very large window to explain to people why they should get to know these bands. You know, so uh, if you're lucky in this day and age of musical apathy, you know, you hope to get 50 people. You know, I don't like doing that. Yeah. You know, it's not good for me. It's not good for the bands. And um, ultimately, you know, one of us is losing out on money and I don't like to lose on money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that's, uh, you know, then I... I partner with bands and different things like that uh, it was really cool we uh, partnered with some uh some of our regional friends for a show to like i said i like pairings and you know we had such camaraderie between these bands that were on the show that the the whole night man uh, how we interacted as bands emanated into the audience and i mean i had never experienced a mosh pit to my sound check before i mean but that's how like how the vibe was the night i mean we were having some technical difficulties and uh my guitarist started ripping off a Slayer riff, and the house just lit up, and I'm like, all right, let's go with it, <laughs> kind of deal. And so they were mosh pitting during our sound check, you know, and rare, rare is the occasion you can get that, but that's a, a reason why I like to do shows. Yeah. Yeah, Slayer, uh, you hear a Slayer if everybody perks up. Yep, yep, they should do. <laughs> Most recognizable riffs in, in, in metal. Yep. Well, uh, Speaking of you playing music, a settlement is your new new project. And I know you had posted, I saw you post several times where you guys were looking to fill a couple more spots. Mm -hmm. and you, you've done that? We've done that. Okay. So what's the, 
the current status of the band you're writing. Writing. Um, you know, with Far From Sanity, we, we left off on a really... Uh, it, it could be taken one or two ways, a really disappointing or a really cool place. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out with the cool place. Uh, we had a record label interest. Um, we were working on a CD. Uh, we had a lot of great momentum, um, connections that you know expanded across the country. Um, fortunately, um, we still have that label interest. Um, they haven't let off on us you know, in spite of our situation. Um, in fact, what we're doing now is actually more in line with what we were planning to do, um, during the outset of Far From Sanity. Um, you know, a label wants to be able to sell you. I mean, they really do. Um, and so we had an ambition to make our sound a bit more marketable. Not overall, I mean, but you, you know, you want to present something that you're, you're going to be able to get airplay with. I mean, radio still holds a lot of clout. Um, and so we're really working, we're not forsaking our metal roots at all, but we're working on things that are, has a lot more clean vocal styles to it, uh, a lot more harmony to it. So things of that nature. Um, the goal this year is to just be tight, you know, uh, three of five have remained, um, from the far from sanity, uh, endeavor, but so there's going to be some familiarity with what we were doing with far from sanity, you know. Yeah, when you play that sound, you know it's going to carry over. You don't just become new musicians. Right. Uh, however, um, bringing in a new vocalist who can hit cleans is going has lent new dynamics to what we do. Um, our new bass player um, actually used to play in Blued. Um, we crossed paths and like, ah, oh, hey, um, been a long time. And so he auditioned for us, and uh, you know he came on, brought this really just cool vibe hugely influenced by tool i can tell you that just in his playing style so it gives a lot of uh, ambience on the bass guitar and that we didn't that we hadn't had before it's kind of cool to just sit there and listen in the practice room right now like wow okay man I'm, that's new well let's see what we can do with that um so we're planning on releasing our first single later this year and uh 2017 we'll see us complete the cd we had started and then from there, we're uh, planning on a short tour to support the release. And hopefully with that, is also going to be a record label announcement. Okay. So that's the plan. So like how far along you guys in the writing process? Did it just begin? or Well. You got several songs worked out already? Or? What we're doing, we're not scrapping everything that we did with Far From Sanity. Okay. There, there were some gems in there. We're just revisiting and re-envisioning them. Um, so with that, we, st we have a lot of, a lot of material to work with, so we're not scrapping everything that was. Uh, however, with some of the new stuff, I will tell you that I haven't been as excited for a, a, a written song as I am today. Um, we have some, we have some good ones and the hardest part is going to be deciding which, which is the only one we released this year. <laughs> so it's a good place to be. I'm excited about, um, where we're going with this and, and we'll see. You know, we're not uh, we're not looking for rock stardom, but you know, there's not a musician on planet Earth that doesn't want their music heard by others. Right. Yeah. 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 Do you do you write? Do you help write, or is it just you know drums solely for you? Or you know, because I only play drums, <laughs> makes it kind of difficult. Um, however, that being said, I really I'm I'm the biggest mouth in the band. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> So if I have something going on here, it's got to come out here and uh, learning to communicate that, you know, and how that sounds. And 
um, is part of the process. So we all have a say in, in the final result of any song, you know, and, and sometimes you'll, you'll strike gold and everybody in the room is grooving, you know, and, and then other times you have to kind of wrestle through the process. And sometimes uh, we have to tell each other that just sucks. <laughs> nice, nice. You yeah, gotta be honest. You you do. Uh, our goal is all. You know, we all have the same goal. We want to write the best song that we can. Mm. You yeah, know, and sometimes that requires a bit of honesty in the process, even though it's not a good feeling, but it's necessary. Yeah. Right. So so as far as like drummers, I mean, who's who's your guy that you you know from you know when you were a kid on up till now. Man, well, I will tell you, my first guy, as I became a drummer, I realized wasn't the guy at all. Um, you know, he just had the biggest drum set, um, and that was Peter Chris. Yeah, okay. You know, there wasn't a kid that opened up Kiss Alive 2 and didn't want to do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, then I realized that, you know, Peter couldn't really play. Um, God bless his place in, 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 in the rock pantheon, um, but Peter's not a great drummer. Um, I was quite disappointed when I, last time I saw him, um, it was supposed to be the farewell tour in 2000 and I'm like, dude, he looks dead back there. Um, so for me, um, after I, I realized that there were other drummers out there, um, I really gravitated to Charlie Benante from Anthrax. Awesome. You know, Charlie's just, he's, I mean, he, he's not fancy, you know, but everything he does is just tight. And I mean... Just tight, and he work. He has some of the most memorable just drum rhythms ever. I mean, Belly of the Beast. Come on, <laughs> you know, you turn that up, and the first thing you want to do is crank the volume up. Um, <laughs> well, you know, his drumming stands out. It, it does a lot more than most drummers. Like you, you hear it. it you know, it's stuff like a machine. You feel it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie was the one that still sticks with me even to this day. Now there are other drummers I, I've come to appreciate. Another one that I really liked from the early '90s was Mike Borden from Faith No More. Then uh, went to play Fozzy. Um, he had a really unique style for his time. Faith No More, of course, was was really really unique. So uh, his style really stuck out to me because it was very groove laden. If you if you listen to my natural playing style, I am inspired by those kind of drummers. I don't play a lot of weird time signatures. I'm not trying to play the most notes. I want people to be shaking their head when they're when they're you know listening to our songs. Um, so you know, it's for me. I'm a I'm a pretty basic drummer. I mean, you know, I, I like just I like watching people flow in the music with me. So with that, I'm not trying to play a lot of different time signatures. I want you know if I see the head shaking, I'm back there. I'm I'm right where I need to be. Good. So, but yeah, Mike was cool. Then I started. Ex- um, Finding uh, drummers like Tony Royster Jr., um, who's one of the freaking baddest drummers on planet Earth, um, and plays with Jay Z right now, and he's just he's a beast, he, you know, African American drummer, and uh, and that was a whole new style for me at one point. I was like, my gosh, I never heard of him, but you know, just you you can't match him. Yeah, yeah. There's a uh, like a nine minute long YouTube video of him I saw once. I was mm-hmm. like, good God. Yep. He is nuts. He is, and another one that's really good that way is um, I saw Prince live. Oh, wow. And if you ever catch Prince live, one thing you're going to see immediately is the talent that he has on stage. And for this tour, he had, a, he had a drummer named John Blackwell, and he just blew my mind. I mean, I was like, <laughs> I am not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So I try to draw from a lot of different inspirations and, and fuse them into what I'm doing with hard rock and metal. Uh, thank goodness for people like System of a Down who have successfully done it and done it well. Yeah. 
So how old were you when you started playing? Uh, you know, it's been an off and on process, but I, uh, I was a poor kid, so I couldn't afford drums. Uh, so my best friend, uh, when I was 16 years old, scrounged together like 60 bucks and we put together this, this piece of crap thing. I mean, we, I couldn't afford simple stands, so I took wire and I hung it from the ceiling and that was what my symbol and my high hat. <laughs> and, uh, so, but I wanted to play drums so bad that, you know, if that's all I had, that's what I was going to play on. And so, you know, I played a little bit when I was 16, 17, then I had a layoff. Joined my first band when I was 18, um, you know, but, you know, I was being a kid, man. You're never truly stable. So, you know, it was sporadic at best. Joined Downcast when I was 21 years old. And then I played a whole lot from the time I was 21 to 24 years old. And then I got married and, you know, moved around a little bit and laid back. You know, it's more fun to play music with people when you don't have a band. It's kind of boring. <laughs> um, at least it was back then. It's not so much now. I found a new interest in just kind of being... In, in there with independent study, but, uh, um, so 16 and then just kind of splinter it up to my age now and I'm old. So just, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're right there. We're right there. <laughs> well, you mentioned, you know, Tulsa way back. And what do you think of the Tulsa scene like compared to how it was when you started? Oh, nine day. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're a kid, uh, you, again, you, the sky's the limit and the curtain hasn't been pulled back. So, you, you know, you're a little little idealistic when, of, of what is. Um, however, that being said, one thing I, I, I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the bands. Um, and the bands were talented and the bands were for one another back then. You know, I remember doing the lockdown shows and we had... 25 bands at one point, 2,000 people and to see local music. You know, it was pretty amazing stuff. And um, you're lucky to pull 50 to 100 these days. Mm. Bands don't really support one another. I mean, there's a, there's a few niche bands that do. And, uh, you know, you got the Drivers and the Severminds and, and, and that bunch. And great bands, great people. But outside of that little niche, you don't really see much in the way of band support, especially multi-genre. Um, that doesn't diminish the talent because there's some serious talent going on right now. I mean, I tell you, uh, don't believe me. Look at what We the Ghost is doing. I mean, they're, you know, they're about to blow up, and uh, you know, so there's a lot of great talent. But I do miss the camaraderie that we once had as musicians in the scene. It's not there anymore. Yeah. yeah. God, you said lockdown. I forgot all about that. Uh-huh. Jeez, those are the days. <laughs> precisely yeah. precisely when when anybody that was part of it at on any level looks back and says god that was awesome yeah it was an experience it's something 20 years later we're looking back going wow <laughs> do you yeah. think that's something that could be pulled off now if someone put something like that together i or... think it would take a lot of doing um bands first and foremost would need to step outside of themselves um, none of us that went on, on that stage were out for just ourselves. Um, we understood that you know, there were a lot of bands, and we were gonna we were gonna support one another, and that meant that we were gonna we we're gonna pass out flyers on their behalf. We were gonna tell people about the show on their behalf, not just for our own sake. And that's a big thing I see about a lot of bands is we're not gonna support you, you know, if it's not our band. Um, I think we, we got to get that attitude out of the way. We really do. Uh, if you do that, now the sky is the limit, again, when it, when it comes to what we can do together. 
um, radio has to be involved. I mean, radio and, and media. I mean, we had the radio, we had the newspapers, we had Tulsa World, we had Urban Tulsa. I mean, we had all of them involved just blowing this thing up. Uh, I still got all the newspaper clippings from, from that time. Um, and so it required them to be involved and make it, making as big of a noise as we were. So radio has certainly got to be involved. The papers have got to be involved. Um, is it impossible? Absolutely not. I mean, really what we did back then was simplistic. Uh, it just took everybody stop being selfish and let's work for one another and make this happen. Um, we can do it, you know, but it's going to take a lot of us and it's going to, we're going to have to go old school with it. You can't just, yeah, Hey, definitely. Facebook invite. Hey, I invited you. <laughs> we're going to have to get out with flyers and, and we're going to hit the malls and the music stores and the, and everywhere that there might be a kid, you're going to go say hi. You're going to put a flyer in their hand and you're going to invite them out to the show. That's how it's going to be done. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems like back then there was always, I mean, not always, but at least once every couple months, uh, the Edge was doing a Lodo local show, or KMOD was, you know, 97 cents to get in at Canes or whatever, or whichever venue. And, uh, and like you said, radio is a big thing, and I don't know, I don't. I don't know. I don't really hear a lot of that going on anymore. KMOD maybe, does, maybe, a good, does a good job yeah. with it, but they're about the only one these days. <clears throat> yeah. The Edge isn't as involved in, in local music as they once were. I mean, David, God bless him, is still out there doing Homegrown. Yeah, you know? which is awesome. I, I love Homegrown. You know? In <laughs> fact, it, you know, I, I hate I hate to miss it. You know, I'm glad David's back in doing what he's been doing so well for so many years. So David was a big, he was a big fulcrum of, of local music. Oh, yeah. And he's been a staple for many years. And, you know, I don't think uh, these young bands quite understand how awesome David Souders is. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he did a lot and still does a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I've got a random, random topic for you. Sure. <laughs> Something I kind of wonder since you're into the, you know, the Christian music scene. Mm -hmm. um, how do you convince? Because you know you take your average churchgoer and they hear Broken Flesh. There's no way that could be a Christian-based <laughs> band, you know. Right. Like, you know, because they're not listening. Well, you know, they don't hear what he's saying. It's mm -hmm. just this sounds like insane. This can't be Christian metal. You know? Right. So how do you convince someone? I mean, I guess if they're not in the metal, they're not going to be. But how do you convince them this is a good thing? Yeah. And the flip side, you got people that love metal that won't even give something a chance because they know it's Christian. It's Christian, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I look at look at it this way. Um, when it comes to people, there's not much that separates us. You know, we have a lot of the same things in common. We, you know, we want to be comfortable. We want friends. We want you know, we want a good job. I mean, you know, we just, we could lay a list of our commonalities out. And for me, what I do as a Christian is I try to find what makes us alike. I don't focus a lot on what separates us. Um, if that goes for the sinner and the saint, you know, uh, whether you go to church or not is really irrelevant to me. Um, so I'm not much on preaching. Um, you know, if you ask me, I'll tell you. Um, but for me, as, as a Christian, my job truly is to live my life in accordance with my beliefs. That means treat people, even people who don't believe like me, with dignity and respect. Um, treat my wife and my son with love and affection. 
um, take care of my family, um, charity, things of those, those things. Those are things I think as humans we can all appreciate. Um, and when people see this through me, it's at least my hope that they say, okay, this guy's all right. Um, I, you'll never catch me out on the street with a Bible yelling hellfire and brimstone. Um, so that's my convincing right there. It is not anything I magically say. It's not, I'm so eloquent with words and so convincing that you just are going to come on out. Um, for me, it's the relationships I form with people. Um, and that's really how I feel life is, is that when we bond through something, um, we, we form a relationship. And through those relationships, doors are opened. Doors are open for sharing, whether it be your belief or my belief. Um, you know, I'm fully convinced in my faith in Jesus Christ. That's not a secret to anybody who's around me. But also, you'll find out it's not something I press upon others. If you want to know about it, I'm an open book. All you got to do is ask. But that means you're opening the door for me. I'm not kicking it down to come into your space. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You're right. There's going to be people who don't understand what we do and why we do it. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, one thing that I've learned to appreciate about humanity is we come in multiple different stripes. Um, their purpose is not my purpose. Um, you know, there's going to be the button-down churchgoer um, that, you know, looks like your stereotypical Christian. And good, he's got his place. Um, there's going to be the broken fleshes of the world that literally scare the hell out of people. Uh, and, and you know what? Those are my guys. You know, those, <laughs> those are the ones I gravitate to. Um, but I can't convince somebody to come or not come by trying to convince them the the wonders of, of Christian metal or, or uh, anything else. If you like me, if you like what I stand for, if you feel like I haven't misled you, I haven't, I haven't deceived you in any way, chances are you're going to come out just because my name's on it. And that, that's something that takes time to build. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I like to use the not-so-silent night as a microcosm. One thing we, we, we set out to do when we started that was do what we say we're going to do. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing hidden about it. We say we want to reach out to children in our community that have been pulled from abusive homes. That's what we're doing. We're not taking anybody's money. In fact, I believed in what we're doing so much, I don't charge any money at the door. Um, I tell people, get me a new unwrapped toy. That's all I want from you. Now, you don't have a lot of money. You, you might be a mom of five kids and you don't have a lot on a Christmas budget. Go get me five Hot Wheels. That's it. Five Hot Wheels. Yeah. Bring your kids out and let's enjoy this together. Uh, guess what? We're going to serve uh, cupcakes that my wife takes a whole week to bake. Um, we're going to give you all the beverages. We don't charge for any of our beverages when you come out. Wow. Um, we gave away... I'm going to say two or 300 Red Bulls last year. We gave away about 400 soda pops, 500 waters. We gave away 600 cupcakes, 200 cookies. We gave it all away. We believe in what we're doing. Um, we love people. And in that, we want to come out. We want to find our commonalities. Guess what? It doesn't matter what you believe or what you don't believe. When, or, or what I believe or what I don't believe. When we come together and we stand together and we speak up for an abused child, we have our commonality. 
we have our bond. And on that night, that's what we believe. And so people will come out and they'll see this. They'll say, well, okay. I know Jamie's a Christian, but nobody's trying to convert him. Convert me in tonight. Uh, you know, at church is Sunday morning. You know, there's a church on every block. You can, if you, you want, you can go. I, I encourage it. But for tonight, we just want people to come out and feel welcome. We want people to come together, families, black, white, old, young, it doesn't matter, and come together for a common good. And those are the, that's how you open doors for people. Now, then you fast forward and I do something like Serp and Stomp. You're going to have people, God, man. I loved what happened in Not So Silent Night. Maybe I'll give this a try. Because I can tell you there's a lot of non-Christians coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but it's taken me five, almost six years to build something like this. Um, so if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. If you come out and, and, and you know, you feel uncomfortable, I do apologize right off you know the top. I don't want anybody to ever come out and, and you know, feel like, they're being judged you know I don't want people to feel like that you know we're, we're looking down our nose at people because we're Christians in fact quite the opposite my philosophy is we should never be looking down our nose unless we're picking them up off the ground that's the only time as a Christian if we're doing it right and so that's how we do it, it it's I don't know y'all's religious affiliation you know but it's it's really a matter of living a lifestyle and living it honestly and openly for people to see. You know, I'm not hiding anything. I don't have anything to hide. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, it's all metal. Roofs, guitars, you know, come on out. Yeah, come on out. You, there's going to be mosh pits. You know, there's going to be stage dives. And there's going to be all the trappings of a great metal show. <laughs> nice. Like well, yeah, it. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who you are around the world. Music is the one thing that... Everybody loves it some somehow, some way, whether it's metal right. or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, put in Miley Cyrus and she feels to be okay. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, who'd have thought? I, <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, you know, I'm glad you guys asked about my faith, but you realize that I don't bring up my faith unless offered. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm hiding. There would be some Christians. Oh God, that's lukewarm. <laughs> Give me a break. When the door is open, they invite you in. Yeah. yeah. If it's not open, that means stay out. Yeah. Yep. It's a very simple premise. Yeah. <laughs> well, another random topic. I saw that you posted. I think it was the day that the Kill Switch and Gage album came out. Mm-hmm. That you were getting it or excited about it, and we both. Listen to it and love it. I was just awesome. wondering what your opinion was. <sighs> it's a lot, man. You know what? I, I, I can give a whole dissertation <laughs> on just this topic. <laughs> and and I, will, I, will, I will lead into that with saying Jesse Leach is one of my absolute favorite vocalists. Has been for, well, since I first witnessed uh, a Kill Switch Engage song back in 2002. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that to say I'm a bit biased because I remember getting this uh, Roadrunner uh, CD sampler. And you had a lot of great bands on it. Some of them are, are, are not around, and some of them are. But one of the bands that stuck out to me, I had two tracks on there, was Kill Switch Engage. So I started exploring uh, these guys a little bit more through 2003. And, of course, Picked Alive or just reading up. And um, then well, I got really excited for 2004 because we know End of the Heartache came out. And I'm like, wait, 
did they get a new singer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course they did. And a lot of people are more affiliated with, uh, with Howard Jones than they are with Jesse Leach. Um, now I say all that to say this. I'm super biased that first one. Alive or Just Breathing is just... I was listening to it on the way to my workout today. And I'm just listening to the hooks and to the lyrics. And and it, it I will say on a musician's level, it's not as skilled as later releases. But on a sonic level, it's more pleasing to the ear, in my opinion. Um, and so I'm, I'm listening to it. And I went back and revisited Disarm the Descent. And, uh, of course, Incarnate. And I will have to say, and this might be this might be like sacrilege to some some ears. Though I like Incarnate, it still isn't close to my favorite. Yeah, um, I think the first half of the CD is great. Um, I think the second half, um, I think they ran out of ideas. Um, <laughs> it, it sounds like they were listening to a lot of Hatebreed, and uh, um, I think it got lazy. Um, even lyrically speaking, it just, there's nothing that was memorable to me. Um, and, and that was a bit disappointing because I was like, well, maybe I'm just being too hard on it. So I went back just yesterday actually and listened to Disarm the Descent well, probably about three or four times. I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember why this one was awesome. And, uh, because man, I was singing it. I hadn't listened to Disarm the Descent in probably about a year, Yeah. but I was singing along like I never stopped listening. And I don't think there's many songs on Incarnate that I can do that with. So, in the pantheon of all things Kill Switch Engage with Jesse Leach, I'm going to give Alive or Just Breathing my number one nod. I mean, it has a special place for me. Uh, Disarm the Descent, two, Incarnate, three. Yes. So, that, that's, my, that's my ranking. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny you say that about the first half, because that's what I told him. I was like, they could have just done like eight or ten of those songs. And you would you would have still had an amazing amazing record. (laughs) Fifteen, it's just like uh, it's just a lot to. By the end of it, I I don't remember much. You got to take a break, you know. So that's it's funny you said that. (laughs) Well, you know, and I was a I'm a big fan of the Times of Grace release, and Mm -hmm. uh, you might as well call that Kill Switch Number Two, yeah, uh, because that's really what it is. It's Adam and Jesse working together, and I thought Times of Grace, uh, uh, the Hymn of a Broken Man, was just an absolute phenomenal CD. So I would I put that in Disarm the Descent kind of in the <laughs> same school. So Incarnate, this is bad. You know, it's Jesse. Um, you know, and even Adam gets some vo- some vocal time in there too. Yeah. Uh, however, just I'm going to say a year from now, I'm probably not going to remember much if I don't continue to listen and pick it up. There you have it. <laughs> I know, I've heard people say it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Jesse's vocals have finally... And you know, Jesse's vocals are strong. That is a bright point. I can tell that... I don't know if he's had vocal training since Alive or Just Breathing, but he definitely has a lot more power and authority in his vocals. He doesn't sound as strained. Um, and so I know that was a big deal and why he couldn't carry the tours early on. So it is good and refreshing to hear. In fact, my, uh, my one of my guitarists came and practiced. Like, man, that's the Jesse I can listen to because he didn't know anything before Howard. God bless him, but... Um, and of course, there's always the eternal debate between Howard versus Jesse, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull for Jesse every time. Yeah, <laughs> I will admit I like Howard better, but I love Jesse as well. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen him with Jesse Leach, and then we saw him like two years ago when yeah. they played Rocklahoma, and it was, it was just four. I'm like, yeah. I think it just moved above now, you know, because just live he just has 
It's just, I can't even really explain That's it. what I heard. So He's got that power. authority. Yeah. Yeah, he, authority. That's a good word. I saw yeah. Howard um, during the end of the Heartache Tour. And I, I think Howard is an, uh, an amazing uh, vocalist, just his, his skill. And he's not a bad uh, lyric writer, but when I finally saw them live, me and a, f- a couple buds took a trip over to Little Rock to catch them. And, and I, I walked away going, I really wish I didn't come to the show. <laughs> I mean, it, it, well, anybody that sees Adam D knows Adam's a little nuts. But I think he kind of detracts from the show. Um, that's a personal opinion, you know. I don't like the 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 capes and the mustaches and the and, and the shorts where his junk is gonna fall out. Um, but I, I thought Howard as a as a frontman was not that impressive. I thought his between song banner was. I don't know. I can't even describe it. It wasn't good. <laughs> so I, I, my first experience with Killswitch Live, I was pretty disappointed. And maybe that's why I don't have quite the affinity for Howard as so many do. Yeah. yeah. That's funny you said about Adam D, because I always thought, maybe if they all had some kind of shtick, but he's the only one, so it seems like off. Right. I don't know, it just seems, you know what I mean? Yeah, Adam's uh, a funny dude. Make no mistake about it. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, it throws me. I'm like, oh, yeah. I don't want to see that. <laughs> we, we go on and on about it. I will tell you, Howard recently, like in the past few months, did a couple of podcasts with uh, Chris Jericho and Jamie Josta. Oh, yes. And both of them were pretty, uh, it was pretty revealing. Pretty revealing. Oh, yeah? He talked about, you know, how he almost committed suicide after he had left Killswitch and deep depression. Uh, dark times, yeah. Threw his phone away. He had no contact with anyone for like six months or a year or yeah, something. It's crazy. I thought his little message to when he, <clears throat> when he said he was leaving Killswitch was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he talked about all that, and yeah, just said how he kind of regrets the way he handled it, but you know he's still cool with them. And <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good, you know. Well, I have to just, go. I have to go follow up on that. Yeah, yeah I did because he's back in a good place now, at least. Well, that's the hope. depression will hit you, man. It, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it, when it hits you, like, where did how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, and, and as somebody who's battled, you know, I, I thought I was too strong for depression, you know. And then one day, you know, through a series of unfortunate events here, I found myself, man, in a depression. And I was like, I didn't realize I was depressed. I was, you know, until, you know, somebody kind of showed me, you know, like, dude, this isn't you kind of deal. And uh, so it, it, it'll hit you quickly. And, and, you know, I feel for anybody that's suffering. You know, so I didn't know that. Cool. You got anything else you want to throw in about Surf and Stomp? Man, it's Saturday, April 23rd. We um, open the doors at 5.30. We've already sold out of all of our VIP passes, so that's a a great start. It's going to be an incredible event. I mean, I I don't think I could have assembled a better artistic uh, series of bands as I have with this one. The problem with doing it like this this year is I don't know what I'm going to do next year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This one. You know, we're going to go late in the night, man. We got mosh pits. We got uh, uh, macabre. We got uh, slam poetry, comedy. We got all kinds of stuff and uh, all the trappings of a, of a festival. We're, we're, uh, it's a uh, liftoff. We'll see what the future holds for us with this one. I do appreciate you guys coming over and, and oh, spending yeah, a few definitely. moments with me. I really oh, yeah. do. Yeah. You know, thanks for paying attention to what's going on with <clears throat> Impact Events and, 
and I uh, hope you guys have been pleased with what you see. I really do aim to inspire the community around us mm-hmm. to, you know, you may not um, stand up for child abuse, but I'll, I believe that everybody has something they can give to another person. And, you know, I don't, I, I encounter so many people that don't think that what they have is enough. And so, I, you know, if I'm your listeners, I want to tell them to explore their gifts, figure out what they're good at, figure out how they can give it to somebody else and get out and give it. You know, that's the whole basis for making an impact. You know, we have music, you know, that, I mean, I, I said, what do I got? I have music. I have a big mouth. And so I decided to take my music and my big mouth and uh, do something with it. And fortunately for us, we're, you know, we're definitely making an impact in our community right now. We're serving eight counties here in Oklahoma through our Not So Silent Night Outreach, uh, serving the Child Abuse Network, the Tulsa Advocates for the Protection of Children. Uh, Serpent Stomp, also, we're going to be doing um, a, a, a food um, drive. Okay. Um, if you've never heard of uh, our friends from Offer a Child, what they do is they go out here like to our, um, well, I'll just say crack-infested motels, where uh, you know people are living in homeless or near-homeless situations, and they go out every day at checkout time with food in hand, searching for kids in these situations. Um, and just a simple gesture, are you hungry? And so um, we're trying to bring in food that we can give to offer a child to take out to these hotels and continue the work that they're doing. And we're also taking a portion of our proceeds that we make above our expenses and we're um, donating it to offer a child. So we believe in their work and we hope people get out. Um, If you don't want to attend the show, um, we still hope that people bring a non-perishable good, something like, um, like even animal crackers will go a long way or the the cups of fruit where people can just tear and eat um so things like that so we'd love for people to drop um, a can good or a non-perishable good out by the the event if they you know if they don't even plan to attend the show we'd like to send uh, offer a child home with a whole van load of food so uh you know we'll see what happens yeah yeah definitely yeah and at 15 bucks i mean that's an amazing price too for what you're getting you know you know, man, music has gotten so much out of reach of of the average consumer. I went to see so many great concerts for less than twenty bucks. In fact, I remember yeah. one of my favorite. I got to see Anthrax and Fight for twelve dollars. We were just talking. We, we just talked about that. We just talked about that the last <laughs> on the podcast we posted. Show. Yes, I mean, you know, I mean, Halford came out yeah. and into the pit, and yeah. you know, I thought I was in heaven. You know, yeah. so but. I could, as a kid, I could go out and buy these things for for fairly cheap, and that wasn't that long ago. I mean, um, so I missed the days where music was a lot more accessible to to uh, younger people. You know, I I don't remember ever having to pay eighty five, ninety, hundred bucks for a concert ticket. Yeah. I saw Van Halen, and I think I paid thirty five dollars. Yeah. You know, Kiss still keeps theirs pretty reasonable. Um, I've Saw Nine Inch Nails for like 20 or 25 bucks. I mean, you know, yeah. these are epic shows. And, you know, that today you couldn't, a $25 oh, ticket yeah. is unheard of. Uh, Metallica at the Pavilion was like 19 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That never happened again. Yeah. No, I think last time they're here at Be Okay, it was like 75 I uh, think, for the cheap seats. Yeah. You know, and it's sad when that's not even that bad these days, you know, because all these concerts are, anyways. Well, and that's my goal is I want to keep our ticket prices low um, if we can. You know, there's an expense with everything that we do. Um, but every time I'm planning this stuff, I'm, how can we make this affordable for yeah. the people coming out? Especially for the kids. You know, I, I 
my heart's still with the kids. I'm still that 12 year old guy looking at those rock stars, and and, and, and you know, I want to. I want kids to come out and enjoy some of that as well, and maybe take some memories. We got future musicians in the bunch, and you never know who the next artists are going to be. You know, maybe they come out and they leave inspired by what they experienced that night. You know, and on the flip side, as 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 a Christian. One of the things that we're that I believe in doing is, is reaching out to those who may be hurting. You know, I mean, I, I work a job right now, just my grown-up job, where we go into some some bad places and to do our work. And uh, like the boys' home, we go into the homeless shelters, and you know, we do. Uh, you know, we there'll be people, young girls, coming with cuts all up and down their arms, and you know, you talk to you know the kids, and you know, it's, because it feels good. You know, and it just blows your mind to that such a young age. This is their this is their form of expression, yeah. cutting themselves. And you know, you see things like that, and you know, and you see kids already strung out on drugs, yeah. you know, at a young age. And you know, why go down that road if you don't have to? You know, so we hope to to speak life into the people that come out, and maybe encourage them. You know, it only took a few people for me when I was a kid to uh, keep me on. You know. In a good place because I came from that place. You know, I came up out of a drug infested culture. I came out of a culture where abuse was prevalent. And, you know, so I know that life, you know, and so if we can, we can inspire, encourage kids, um, hold fast hope, you know, that there are people who care about you mm-hmm. in spite of your circumstances, then, man, I can lay my head down at night and I can be happy. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, keep an eye guys. And if you, if you can make a serpent stomp, great. If you, if you, uh, can't, man, get your butts to the not so silent night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seriously. It is an event like nothing else. Yeah. I mean, when my wife told me, uh, you know, when we started this, she's like, it's Christmas time. We need to make sure, you know, we have sweets and things like that. And I'm like, it's a metal show. We don't serve sweets at a metal show. <laughs> and, but of course the boss went out and, and so we, we, that first year, we we solicited like uh, you know, cakes and pies and things like that, and we ended up with like twenty three homemade cakes and pies, and two hundred cookies, and we're like, okay, what are we gonna do with all this stuff? And so we auctioned off the cakes and the pies because you know we didn't want to cut into them and things like that. And, and it was funny because you had you know these guys, these big burly metalhead guys coming out, and you give them this homemade cake, and you thought. You were handing them gold. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, maybe she's on to something. And, and then our second annual, um, she loves to tell the story and she does it better than myself, but she says this big guy comes up to the table and he's scowling and rubbing his beard and sleeves and looking over the table and everything. And she's like, then all of a sudden his eyes light up. He's like, ooh, is that red velvet? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's, that's all it takes. Sometimes. Yeah. So we're like, all right, well, we're on to something, and it became come some part of our culture. And uh, so, um, cupcakes it is. So she'll be in here um, the week before cooking up anywhere between three and five hundred cupcakes wow. just to give away. Yeah. And that's then great. we'll probably take in another donated hundred or two hundred cupcakes that people want to give. Yeah. And uh, simply put. It, it, it's, it throws people off because they'll have this fantastic cupcake bar where they, you know, I got my volunteer team, you know, delivering everything. And the first question is always, how much? Yeah. I say, free. 
and they get really confused. Like, right. there's, no, seriously, like, how much? And we're like, seriously, it's free. <laughs> and uh, so we love surprising people that way. When they come in my door, uh, first thing that they're offered is a Red Bull. We figure we're not going to get people drunk, you know. We don't serve alcohol at our events. I mean, uh, but I figure, I think, you know, Red Bull would make a better mosh pit than a Bud Light, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So, but yes, we put the Red Bull by the table. My door staff, you know, when they come in, we have like Casas donated some things that we can, some swag we give away. And uh, some of the local radio will deliver stuff. And we just give stuff away as soon as they walk in the door. You know, hey, you want a Red Bull? We'll put it in a little koozie for you. And and that's how you're, that's how you're greeted instead of, you know, big burly guys in security t-shirts, you know, ready to give, do a rectum x-ray on it <laughs> nice. <laughs> so we, we we like to surprise people but i think the thing that people get inspired the most by is when at the end of the night when they're looking under that tree and they see what the they see that collective generosity from all the people who came out and right now we've given over 3500 toys um to kids in our in our communities and and we have a specific design we're not for everybody we have a design purpose for children who have been pulled from abusive homes. Um, if you guys don't know what CASA is, Court Appointed Special Advocates, what they are is they're a voice for children who have been pulled from these situations. When it has been determined that the situation is heinous enough that you're going to be removed, you are officially put in hiding. And you're given a voice. You're, you're sheltered away from anybody who can hurt you. Um, most of these children have gone, uh, gone they've, they've experienced sexual abuse, um, and things of that nature. And so what happens is they're now hidden and they're given a voice called a CASA. And the CASA's primary and one and only goal is safe haven. I want this child to be safe. And so they're the voice in the court system for that safe haven. And uh, so it, it's heart-wrenching to know what we're dealing with. But when these kids are pulled, they're pulled, they're put in shelters, they're put in foster situations. And foster families don't have a lot of money to give. And so that's where we fill in the gap. So these toys go to the shelters, to these children. They go to Christmas parties. Um, the Casa down here um, in downtown Tulsa, um, each year they'll do a big gala-style Christmas party and they invite the kids in. And Santa Claus shows up and they feed them and... Um, they put all these toys down this like ballroom table, every toy that we bring in and they take our small toys like the Hot Wheels and they decorate Christmas trees with them. And, and the kids, you know, after they're released from Santa Claus, get to go pick out their toy, you know, and, and I, I've attended a couple of the Christmas parties and I mean, this is like massive decision time for these kids. I mean, some will automatically identify what toy they want, but then there's other kids that'll just spend minutes over there just pondering what the right toy is going to be. And, and, and it's it's a beautiful thing, really, um, to watch firsthand. Not many people get to go see that, and I, I've been witness to it. And it drives me to do, you know, these all over again, in spite of the stories that I have to, you know, hear. And, and um, Another uh, agency we support is the Child Abuse Network. And they have this thing called the Teddy Bear Room. And we take a, a good portion of our stuffed animals and we donate it to the teddy bear room. Because when a child has been abused, they have to be tested. And what the Child Abuse Network does is they have a multidisciplinary approach to this. They don't want kids to have to be tested this day, tested this day, and relive all the stuff all over again. So it is a 
a barrage of tests, get it out of the way. But before this happens, they go to this teddy bear room and they pick out a stuffed animal for comfort through these tests. Because remember, I mean, these kids have um, you know, experienced things that no child should ever have to. Um, so this is why we're working, you know, these events. It's not just so we can get together, pat ourselves on the back. We have a very direct purpose for bringing people together. Uh, music is a good excuse for us all to get together. So music and food. So what do we have? We have music and food. And hopefully the people that leave um, have experienced something greater than music or food. And they want to take it out and they want to give it to somebody else. Um, if nothing else, they brought a toy that we can provide to a child who has had to deal with things that I wish I never had to talk about. Um, so our hope is that we can continue to expand our reach. Um, not bad for a bunch of metalheads. <laughs> yeah, right. you, know? Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, it's fun, but it's heart-wrenching at the same time. When you hear the stories, when you see the faces, when you receive the thank you cards from these kids, I mean, you can't help but cry. You know, you really can't. Um, so, how long we do this, I don't know. You know, God hasn't shut the doors yet. In fact, He just continues to cause this to grow, and we'll see. Yeah. You know, I appreciate everybody who's brought a present out, taken time um, to support, promote, to sponsor. Um, in fact, if it wasn't for our sponsors, <laughs> we couldn't do what we do. Yeah. I tell people it is free to you, but it is definitely not without cost. Right. <laughs> so our sponsors put up a, a, a lot of funds to make sure other people can enjoy what they do. You know, you know, enjoy that food, enjoy those drinks, enjoy yeah. the sights and the sounds, because we, we go full volume, full production, <laughs> and the whole shebang, and uh, we put on a good show. Um, all in, you know, getting the message out. We've had... Uh, Bikers Against Child Abuse comes out. Tallest Advocates for the Protection of Children come out. A great organization called Empowering Adults Protecting Children comes out there. Their question is, what if the child abuse never happened? And they do a lot of frontline education for adults to be aware of things that are going on, even things within themselves. You know, maybe they're trigger points. Um, you know, I can attest, you know, my mom, had a, she was, she was, you know, she be drinking and she'd get mean and you know i and through this experience i had to i've come to the realization that i was abused big difference between you know the kids and me is i wasn't removed from my home you know it was very hidden and it wasn't until much later in life that i realized i had this realization that you know as a kid i thought this was life you know but as i started you know listening to the stories and reading the statistics and educating myself i realized no that wasn't that wasn't life, you know. Somebody should have said something, and so I feel like it's my my responsibility to say something. A lot of people don't like to deal with the subject of child abuse. It's ugly. Yeah. It's it hurts, it wrenches the heart, and it's not something people want to just put into their daily lives. And I don't want to depress people, and so my goal and my aim is not to do that, but I want to inspire people to be aware and to be engaged and to be active. And, and it, there's so many ways to do it. So many ways to do it. It's just a matter of finding out about your talents and figuring out where you best fit and how you can best make an impact. <laughs> so that's us in a nutshell, man. I know Facebook gives a, a, a snapshot, <laughs> yeah. but that's why we do what we do. Awesome. So, you know, we have a good time with it and we, we feel like music should be meant to be greater. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, man, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, guys, awesome. well, thank you. I, I know that eight uh, thirty is kind of late. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, on a week, on a, on a on a Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just be at home watching Netflix. So That's all right. it's all good. It's all good. Well, guys, I, I do appreciate it a whole lot. <clears throat> thank you for taking interest in Serpent Stomp and Impact and all the things that we're doing. Attention Oklahoma Metalheads, Impact Events, and Rottweiler Records proudly present Serpent Stomp Festival, April 23rd, 2016, at Route 66 Event Center in Tulsa, featuring Death Therapy. Grave Robber. Every knee shall bow. And many more brutal bands on hand, including veterans living sacrifice. Guest speakers include Joe Johnson, Cassie Nicole, T.D. Benton, and Sean Browning. Get your tickets now at Ticketstorm.com. $15 in advance and $20 at the door. Doors open at 5.30. For more info, go to ImpactEventsTulsa.com. There you go, Jamie Kaczynski of Impact Events and Assailment. Like we said earlier, great guy. He's doing tons of great things. All these, like he was talking about there towards the end, all these great organizations that they work on helping and... You know, you can come to these events, help them out too. Like he said, if you're not going to be able to make it to Serpent Stomp or you're just not a fan of really heavy music, <laughs> then come by and drop off some canned food, you know, or come to the Not-So-Silent Night event, drop off a toy, you know, just do do whatever. You Definitely. can't help it out. That's right. Or buy a $15 ticket and give it to someone who does like heavy music. Yes. Give, give it to some, <laughs> give us some kid out in the parking lot waiting to get in. There you go. Hey, I've done that before. Yeah. You know, it's, it feels good to help people. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate Jamie inviting us to his house and doing that interview with us and, you know, spending part of his evening talking to us. It was a great time. Great stuff. Definitely. Once again, check us out at thethunderunderground.com. You can find reviews from independent bands. You can find... Um, reviews from major bands. We just meant, talked about Killswitch Engage there in the interview. Jason did an interview up on our website. Yep, go read that. Let yep. me know what you think. Yep. And we've got several interviews with other local guys like Mike from Driver and Dave Cantrell, Steve Ray from Oklahoma Braves and Pitbulls on Crack. Screaming Red and Mutiny. Yeah, the full band there. That's right. We had the full band of uh, Forever and Disgust and Smoke Offering. Um, Grind. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cody Slane from uh, Blackwater Rebellion and Scorn. Yep. And we've had national acts like Europe and Sons of Texas and Warrant and uh, Overkill, so on and so forth. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunder Dash Underground. Find us on Facebook at The Thunder Underground, YouTube at The Thunder Underground, Periscope at Thunder Underground. And Twitter at T-H-N-D-R-U-N-D-R ground. Well, is this it for 52? I think so. Uh, that about wraps her up, as the uh, cowboy from Big Lebowski says. <laughs> right. We just neither one of us sound as great as him. No, and we never will, try that's, as we that's may. That's true, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, until next week, see ya. Thunder Underground, y'all.